Welcome to the Nexodus podcast. We're going to jump right in, pick up at Genesis chapter 16 and see where the Most High will lead us as we move forward. So in Genesis chapter 15, the Most High assures Abram that I am going to make thee a great nation. And he says in chapter 15, verse 18, in the same day, the Most High made a covenant. Covenant is critical to understand as we move through these next chapters that everything is built on covenant because covenant gives you access gives you access to a source a power in modern day terms if you have a contract you have an agreement you have the power covenant is an agreement it is a contract it is a way of being based on terms and conditions so the most high has terms and conditions that he has with the firstborn the Adam seed that lost their way. He said, if you want to get back to me, if you want to get back in covenant, this is how you operate. And he made that covenant with Abram because Abram was a reset from what had been, what had happened in Noah. He was of the same lineage. So it wasn't a separation. So covenant and bloodline covenant blood is very important. That's why a lot of the things you see within secret societies or anything that gives someone some sort of power in the realms of darkness or in the realms of light is going to involve a level of blood because blood is about life flow. It's where life begins. That's why um, Abel's blood cried out after Cain had killed him. And the curse that the Most High put on a person was Cain. Canaan was not cursed by the Most High. He was cursed by Noah, which still had power, which still had an effect. But when the Most High curses you, like he cursed Cain, that was a different level that we were dealing with. So covenant blood is very important. That's why in the book of Deuteronomy, he talks about not eating the life in the blood. So that's something that he made as a covenant with his people. And we're going to see in chapter 17 how he made a covenant with Abram through circumcision. That was the, the physical sign of a covenant he had with Abram. And that was the, the signing, the seal of that covenant, which kept him in direct connection with uh, the Most High and brought him into a place of full connection, brought him into a place of accessibility to the divine, to his birthright was through covenant. So it's important to see that. So he said, I'll make a covenant with Abram. This is Genesis 15, 18, saying unto thy seed, unto thy seed, meaning everyone that comes from your loins, everyone that comes from your sperm, everyone that comes from your lineage, I will give this land. That means this particular land is for your lineage, is for your people, is for your type. And that land was very close to two places, the garden because it's in the land they now call africa so that was one place that he made for abram the second one is what noah spoke when he said that sham and japheth will dwell in tents together that's in genesis chapter 9 verse 27 so we have some translation concerns with ham being on the continent but we'll stick with that for now because that's not the focus of the point noah because of the actions of Ham, his seed line, the last born Canaan, he was made a servant of all. He cursed him. There is a spectrum on curses. Some curses have deeper ramifications than others. And the curse that Canaan received as a result of what Ham did was that he would be a servant to his brothers. Now, servant doesn't necessarily mean a slave and beneath, but when human beings get involved and their sin involved, we tend to go too far with the abuse of authority and the abuse of power. But covenant is a protective space because that's where you can call on the Most High. He can come in and deliver you. And he made a covenant promise with Abram. And you, we're going to see throughout all of the books when we get to the book of Exodus, how it begins to form. That's the beginning of the nation, the firstborn, the Most High, bringing them back together. And then you see the laws, the statues, you get the, the commandments. You begin to see the dictates of the covenant. That's what the Torah or the first five books is about. It's about how do I keep covenant with the Most High as the firstborn or as his chosen seed 
to govern, to have dominion, to be caretaker of the earth. The Most High has a certain covenant that he has with his people. He didn't call everybody to be circumcised, but he called Abram and his seed forever to be under certain lifestyle, under certain jurisdictions, certain ways of being. He commands them to keep the Sabbath. He doesn't command everybody to keep the Sabbath. So one thing that Christianity, or at least modern westernized Christianity has done, has tried to universalize, which is a part of the Catholic Church. Catholic means universal. So when you have Christianity that was birthed out of Catholicism, mixed in with covenant relationship from a cultural lens, you've run into a lot of error. So the Most High is now re-establishing back to the seed of Abram. And, and the signs are going to show, the Most High is going to reveal who those seeds are because everyone is claiming to be those people. Everyone from every group claiming to be of Abram's seed. And they may follow some of these laws or mix some of them or do portions of it here or there. But the Most High says in these last days, because of what he has spoken to Abram, he said, no, for surety that your people will go into bondage. And then I'll bring them out after 400 years and in the fourth generation. So there's a timetable to this. And we are recognizing that this time period is what's causing a lot of the movement in the earth realm, whether it be through wars and rumors of war or if it's on the prophetic table satan always tries to get ahead of prophecy to to gain the control the consciousness of the people so that we begin to think that it's natural or it's normal or it's just uh global warming or it's just this or it's just a nation fighting no but these things have covenant connection spiritual jurisdictions bloodline jurisdictions and all of those things play a role on how it manifests and how it moves and maneuvers to one way or another and when we keep that premise, that thought process, that psych psychological understanding, we're going to move through the scriptures a lot clearly and understand those things that are contrary to the ways the Most High has uh, created things and that the laws is not for everyone. Just like everyone doesn't obey American laws, if you live in another country, you're out of that jurisdiction, you don't have to abide by those laws. Now, there are certain laws that everyone abides by, which is the universal law, natural law, humanitarian law. You see these different levels. And then you have governing, self-governing laws of a nation or a people or a republic or whatever. You have all those different levels. But ultimately, the Most High has called his children, the seed of Abram, to obey his covenant, his law that he created that is connected to earth, connected to nature, connected to a certain group of people in operation in one time or another we tapped in and out of it in the many generations but the reason why the captivity has been so strong is because a lot of the major tenets of the law has been broken of the law of abraham's seed those who come from abraham's seed those who have been set apart set apart to responsibility to honor and to obey the most high and to be the vicegerent or the caretaker of the earth to show the ways of the most high in the earth realm and to teach humans teach people how to serve and how to connect with the creator in this earth realm but because of our own idolatry because of our sin because of our lust because of our stiff-necked attitudes and some of the things that we do we alter and break and shake and maneuver and um, marginalize the, the power that the Most High has given. So you're seeing all of this tied into land and covenant. So Genesis 15, 18, unto thy seed, I have given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. So that's all on the continent. The river of Egypt, which is the Nile in the east part of the continent, and then the Euphrates, which there are so much research being shown in older maps that Euphrates is in the western part of the continent over there by the upper Volta in the region they call Ghana. One culture may say the Euphrates is where they claim it to be. Fine. But what does the scripture show to us and what does it mean for us as a people, Afro people? How does that relate to us being the firstborn of creation? How do we see the scriptures? And he said a land flown with milk and honey. That would make sense. We're born on this particular land. That's where our source is, the land that they've called Africa. And it has in the east, the Nile, and in the west, 
Euphrates. Voila. So let's move along. We're going to go to chapter 16. And now we're talking about Sarah and Hagar. Verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. The previous chapter said, I'm going to give you seed. And at this point, he's had no children. In most cases, the Most High will plant the seed and the seed is the word. You see, our Savior already taught us that. He came and taught us. He said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. So anytime you hear in New Testament teachings where they're talking about the law is gone, it's not needed anymore, we don't have to do that, it was all nailed, da, da, da. we have to look at why would that become a doctrine when there's so many other scriptures that we hold to and that we say is inspired and we neglect that to hold to a doctrine that has been passed down through other um, people, through other groups, through the Catholic Church, through Western Christian thought processes. And we need to reevaluate how to interpret it. Do we believe scripture is, is inspired by the Most High? Absolutely. But the way we interpret that scripture is what the Most High is renewing in these days and in this time. So in chapter 16, remembering the base of what we talked about, that everything is covenant and everything is bloodline. There's many things that have been set in motion when Adam and Eve did what they did and got kicked out of the garden. That started a whole cycle. And then every time after that, the human beings that continued to do things, the ramifications will reverberate throughout time for many generations. And those were, as I said before, the non-GMO human beings. So a lot of the stuff that they were doing, we are trying to recover from or mimic or reinstitute or revitalize or reenact again in our DNA because it's in the blood. It's in our ancestral memory and it's in our DNA framework to respond and be like our seed. That's why it's important to know what seed line or house you come from so that you can understand what your genetic makeup, your disposition, your framework, your capabilities, your capacities are and of what line you have and access you have to, what covenants have you signed. Not all people have signed covenants with the Most High. Some have signed covenants with the fallen. Certain type of demonic powers, certain types of principalities and powers have rulership over certain families, over certain nations, over certain regions. So the more we tap into that awareness, we can begin to understand how to operate and how to maneuver according to our bloodline and according to the covenant that the Most High has sanctioned with your people and with our people. So that's really important to understand. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, bared him no children. So he had no children yet, but the Most High had spoken that you would have a child. And Abram thought, oh, it's going to be through Eliezer, my servant. He said, no, I'm going to give you a seed of your own. So once the Most High corrected his thought process, how he was thinking small, how he was thinking within the context of what he knew within his physical environment, and the Most High was expanding Abram. Because we, we see the growth and journey of Abram through all of this. We see his weaknesses. We see his failures. We see the environment he was living in, the type of people he was around, the, the society around him. And we're going to learn about Sodom and Gomorrah quite a bit because we only hear it from one vantage point. But there were so many other factors that caused that the destruction of that particular those cities and the way they were operating that was beyond just a perversion or or through any sexual types of activity it was bigger it was broader than that and that's why i love the book of jasher because it gives a broader context to why things were happening and why a lot went to those cities and why lot was outside of the gate and why his children responded the way they did we're going to talk about some of those things and how it impacts it even impacted abram because remember earlier on in chapter 14 abram helped Defeat Amraphel of Shinar, which is Nimrod, Chedorlaomer, Eleazar, and Eleazar, and the title King of Nations, the Gentiles, the ones that were outside of covenant. He saved and helped Bera um, and Bersha, who were the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. And after he had helped them, the main reason for helping them was because of the righteous ones that were in there. So a lot of times nations are preserved because you're there because of why covenant, the most high won't destroy or won't do certain things because of covenant, 
that he's made with your bloodline. That's why it's important to understand who is your seed. And you, you may think, how am I going to know that? That's impossible to know. It is not impossible. We are seeing it happen right now. There are partners. There are people that we're working with who are being able to find their bloodline when they thought they would never in a million years be able to find where they came from. But they were able to do it, whether it was through technology, through science, through ancestral DNAs, many different ways in, in the way that it can happen. So you can find find your pathway. You can find your bloodline or at least an understanding of the jurisdictional space so that the most high can begin to speak to you at a higher vibration based on what he covenanted with your people long ago. So a lot of times it's also through the word when you're hearing these words and you're sensing the most high's presence or you're sensing power or you're sensing the unction or feel or conviction or even if it's anger. A lot of times when you're getting upset about hearing something, it's because there's a triggering happening. And you can do one of two things. You can run towards it and get free like the, the the legion did when the savior was coming off the boat and he ran towards him because he was being tormented. Or you can say, get out of our city like the people did. And they didn't want to let their demons go. They didn't want to let that demonic influence go because they loved the physical um, pleasure that these fallen ones can give that can be an illusion of power, an illusion of greatness that can then automatically at a twinkling of an eye be switched into a mass destruction he said when there's peace and safety then a sudden destruction you know that's a song it comes from the scripture but it was the song that i was thinking of was rat race that bob marley talks about uh when there's peace and safety there's a sudden destruction and then he goes into how political um, violence fills your cities don't forget your history know your destiny because in the abundance of water, the fool is thirsty, rat race. So you're chasing for material gain, but not really knowing who you are, that you actually have all of it based on covenant. The covenant that the Most High made with your seed line, the seed of Abram, which is the firstborn of creation, which goes back all the way to the seed of Adam, that the Most High made a connection. That's why the Savior came, our King came, and that covenant that he had with our ancestors, and he, he showed it forth. In, in the seed of Abram, it said he's the son of David. And David was what? Under the seed line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob or Akobi, which is the firstborn in the Yoruba language means, Akobi means firstborn. So the J, remember, wasn't there. So it was Akobi. So Abram, Isaka, or like Lusaka, you're seeing some of these connection pieces through the pronunciation of certain words. Like I tell you about country, concentration camp, containment, uh, county. These are all restriction spaces. Or you have denomination, democracy. De you, all these words can flip on both sides. It can move in so many different factors. So once you begin to understand the root of words, once you understand the root of anything, bloodline, root of intention, root, then you can be able to decipher and move. So we're going to be coming into some spiritual understanding and sitting above these principalities and powers that will try to come in and confuse and try to minimize and silo individuals into stereotypes. When you hear certain words, that's why I don't really use the word black because black has been stereotyped to mean negative, to mean worse, to be dirty, to be all those different things. So anytime you say, I'm an ugly person, I'm a villain, I'm a, you know, and the, and the villain people and the dirty people and the sub people, the, the bad people, the unclean people. Are those some of the spells that we cast upon ourselves that without understanding? We have to remember everything starts with word. So the seed, the word was spoken. We go down to Genesis chapter 16. And he had uh, and Sarah, Abram's wife, bare no children, and she had a maid, a handmaiden, an Egyptian. Who was an Egyptian? Misraim. She was from the line of Ham. She was from a cousin, from a brother of Ishem, from which Abraham come from, where we find the remnants to this day of the bloodline in the, in the, in the ancestral um, lineage of Shem throughout the garden, especially in the western part. In the Niger, Burkina Faso, we have Shem, but it has an A on it, Shema. You have Peleg, you have Eber, you have all these different individuals, and you still see them naming those cities by their names. Tira, which was Abraham's father. 
So you see in that area, Shem in the west, Ham in the east, and you have Hagar. Now, Sarai understood that. So when she was trying to help the Most High, she she was aware of what type of person she was, but wasn't really clear on the bloodline uh, connection pieces and what that would do long term. And you see that after Hagar had conceived seed for Abram, that her mistress was despised in her eyes. So she was looking down at her. She was positioning her. Other scriptures um, in Jasher talks about this sort of a positioning of Ishmael, which was on the, the eastern part of the garden. And they realized, oh, that's going to cause a lot of division based on covenant, based on bloodline, based on lineage. So on those bases, she told Abram to let Hagar go, even though it was a tough choice. And it was tough for him because, one, he loved Ishmael and he was his male seed. And he was like, oh, this is it. It wasn't Eliezer, the Most High did help, but it wasn't exactly as the Most High said. Although him and his wife was in agreement, the Most High said, no, I'm going to do it for, with your wife because you're both from the line of Shem I have created. That's why he said, I, is anything too hard for me? And it doesn't matter how old you are. What I said is going to happen is what's going to happen because it's already been settled in blood. It's already been settled in covenant. It's already been settled according to what I have spoken through my servants, Noah, and now I'm going to reestablish and seal through you, Abraham, because Abraham was still pure in his bloodline, according to what the Most High created in the beginning. That's why when you go, we go into the sacrifices, it was so important for the sacrifice or the animal to be unblemished because that was the perfected physical state of that particular animal being given as an offering back to the Most High. So it was like a total reciprocation of the word being made flesh and coming back. So remember, the word came to Abram saying you would have a son. No son was coming, so he tried to help. Sarah was in agreement. Sarah was trying to help. They have a seed. They're like, okay, there goes the manifestation. Nope, it wasn't the full manifestation, but the Most High still honored it. He said, you're going to let Hagar go, but... I'm still going to bless Ishmael. And we see that coming here in Genesis chapter uh, 16, verse 5. And Sarah said unto Abraham, wrong be upon me. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she conceived, I was despising her eyes. May the most high judge between me and you. But Abram said to Sarah, behold, this is your maidservant and do whatever you want. So she dealt harshly with her. And then Hagar was like, I can't take this. I'm out. And she left. And it says in verse 16, and an angel of the Most High found her by the fountain in the way of Shur. So it's in these locations, I haven't done the research on that yet, but the Most High gives you these landmarks. And as you go into it, you begin to get more clarity. But where was she going? She's probably going back to Egypt where she came from, still on the continent. We are on the continent, friends. We have not left. But once again, the angelic comes in, the supernatural comes in because Abram is in covenant. This is a covenant situation. And based on what you do, you are now a part of this covenant. So I must respond to you. And that's the engagement they had in the spirit space when they walked according to covenant. When we walk according to covenant, he said, now I shall give anyone that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. That's Psalm 91. That's a covenant. Say of the Most High, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. No evil shall befall thee, no shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. If you walk according to my precepts and my ways, meaning not having any other gods before me, not placing anything in front of me, but walking with me. So you see here, Hagar, even as she tries to walk away, because she was bearing the seed of Abram and what the Most High promised Abraham, that your seed even if it's a seed that you made a decision on that wasn't necessarily in my perfected will, I'm still going to honor that. And he sent for this angel and said, no, go back. It's important. In verse 19, oh, sorry, in Genesis 16, 9. And the angel said unto Hagar, return to thy mistress and submit to her in your hands. And the angel said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly that it shall be numbered for a multitude. And the angel said unto her, Verse 11, behold, thou art with child and thou shalt bear a son and shall call his name Ishmael because the most I have heard thy affliction. 
he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man and his and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of his brethren. And she called on the name of the Most High and they spake to her. And thou, O Most High, seest me. For she said, have I also here looked after him that seeth me. Wherefore, the well is called Beth-lo-Rahi. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Barad. And Hagar bared Abram a son, and Abram called his son, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was 46 years old when Hagar bared Ishmael to Abram. So the angel said, no, go back. That son, your son is going to be a warrior. He's going to be strong. He's going to be battling because he has the, the covenant blood. He is a part of Abram's seed. And you are now having a direct line, even though you are from Misraim and there's a certain blessing that's upon you, but this level of blessing is at a different space and level that I've given to the seed of Shem based on the decisions that Shem made, based on the decisions that Noah made. So there is levels. And when she stepped in by seed covenant, she was already upgraded to a different kingship. She was upgraded to a higher level. She was out of the servant spaces like what Canaan was going to receive, even though Canaan wasn't directly in her bloodline and she was under Mithraim, but it was still within that framework. So it was a hierarchical sort of an approach that was there as far as being able to caretake, being able to move. That's why she was considered a concubine. We think concubine is just uh, an enslavement sort of situation or that she was from a lower class in, in the caste system partially but it was a caste system of a blood covenant that was maneuvering in that space at that time more so than a wealth of physical or family prestige it was blood which then manifests into family or uh, lineage and then goes into having access and she didn't have the access that's why she was a servant but they ended up working it out she came home had the seed and now the most high in chapter 17 Verse one, when Abram was 90 years old and nine, look at the physical, the word was still being made flesh. He tried in 46 and then how many years? 56, 66, 76, 86, 96, 53 years later. So from 46 to 99, there was a gap of time. Abram was still prosperous. He was still maneuvering, but he was learning to wait because his obedience was going to last forever. So waiting 50 plus years versus a quick moment of carnal vanity and thought process to get a promise across was what Abram had to grow out of so that his seed could be established forever. But that one move he made caused a physical space and time of 99 years. And then the Most High appeared to him and said, I am the Most High Almighty, walk before me and be perfect. Walk before me and be perfect. Can you be physically perfect as a human being? No, because we see in chapter 20 that he lies to Abimelech about his wife again because she was so fine and he didn't want to have to deal with that. So you still see his, his weakness as a human being, the fear he operated by because of these kings and because of the, the circumstance and the context he was in. But at the same time, the Most High said, be thou perfect. That perfection was a bloodline thing and it was a intention thing. Walk according to the covenant. What does he say in verse two? And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. So if you walk according to your conscience and you walk with me, I am going to bless thee. I am going to covenant with you. He's reminding him of the covenant. And then in verse three, it says, and Abram fell on his face and the most high spoke with him and said, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you. My contract, my agreement is with you and thou shalt be a father of many nations. So look at that. 46, he had Ishmael move forward in time. And now he's 99 and the most high appears to him and talking about, I'm going to put covenant. I'm going to renew that covenant because I'm, I'm reminding you, I'm going to remind you again of the covenant that I made with you that I spoke of, which we read about in 15. And now he's in 99, 50 years later, this covenant is being renewed again, is being revisited, is being brought back to light. And he says to him, 
and I will establish, verse 7, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generation for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto them and a seed after thee. So now he's saying, because you walk with me, I am going to make this covenant an everlasting covenant for perpetual <laughs> status as some of the colonizers tried to establish even the papable with dumb versa did a perpetual covenant not of servitude but perpetual covenant the perpetual servitude that was given during Noah's time was for the line of Canaan but that wasn't for all Afro or um, melanated peoples that came from the continent levels in that like in anything and I give to thee and thy seed the land where thou art a stranger right now because Canaan is there but he is supposed to serve because of what Noah said and because of certain things that had transpired in spirit space and in the physical that this is the way will be aligned properly according to the divine covenant it says and I will give to thee verse 8 and said I see it after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession and I will be their God and the Most High said to Abram, Thou shalt keep my covenant and thy seed therein for their generations. This is my covenant that you shall keep with me and with thy seed. Verse 10. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and ye shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant between me and you. The covenant is going to be on your penis the foreskin taking off the foreskin that is the physical covenant that is being made between me and you now you talk about the y chromosome and the sperm the seed thy seed the sperm when that covenant it was made it was a sign that the most high made with abram and his generations forever it is not for everybody it is not for all males in the world it is for this particular seed line and for his people as a part of covenant. That's not the only thing, but that is a huge portion of it. Another part of the covenant is written in the law of the Torah and the Ten Commandments throughout the scriptures about worshiping of idols and all the different uh, statute laws and commandments that are there that we will walk through as we continue through this journey as the Most High continues to wake us up. And on the eighth day, they should be circumcised. Every man child in your generations who was born in this house who was bought, whether you was a person who was a servant or not, this is the this is the alignment and the unifying factor of this covenant that you be circumcised. And that's really powerful. When Abram and his house all did one thing and Abram had to get circumcised, even he had to do it at 99. So you know how difficult that must have been physically and the covenant and, and of, of commitment and sacrifice. And that's why the most I loved him so much. And then it says, in verse seven, in chapter 17, verse 15, and the most high said unto Abram, as for Sarah, thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah, and I will bless her and I will give a son to her and I will bless her and she'll be a mother of nations and kings shall come from her. So this is a royal priesthood that the most high has created through this covenant of circumcision and this covenant of commitment and obedience to the most high. And I will bless her. And Abraham fell on his face and laughed. It was like when he laughed, what did that do? That set the tone of the word going forth that Isaac's name means laughter. So as soon as he laughed, that seed had been had been saturated with everything that was being done in that moment because the Most High was there dwelling with him. So anytime the Most High comes with his presence and anything is done, it is established in the earth realm. So you must be very careful when you're in the presence of the Most High, what you're doing, because you can reap that towards righteousness or it can be a damnation and curse unto yourself. But in this circumstance, it was a beautiful thing because Abram, even though he was fearful or he was doubting, his flesh was getting in the way. The Most High was still imprinting, still using that to be a part of the chemistry of his seed living forever. So everything that we go through, even in our time as the Most High is waking us up, and we're learning and growing and making decisions and making nearsighted, short-sighted, blindsided um, decisions. The Most High still can maneuver it appropriately to bring glory to his name ultimately when we walk 
in covenant with him. He will make it work out. So Abraham laughed in his heart. Shall a child be born unto him um, that is 100 years old? And shall Sarah at 90 years old bear? And Abraham said unto the Most High, No, let Ishmael live before you. And the Most High said, No, I'm going to bear a child, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will make my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant. What was the everlasting covenant? They came from the same seed line. Sarai came from the line of Shem. That was the, the, the highest, purest form of connection was those two. Him having uh, Shem and Ham seed, him stepping outside of his jurisdictional bloodline with Hagar was still a blessing. It was still within the family community space, uh, within the family structure, but it wasn't in the fullness of the divine that the Most High created in the beginning. So we have to understand that. And that's why a lot of this stuff is being driven in such a way. And he left off talking with him and the Most High went up from Abram. And Abraham took Ishmael and all that were in his house and he circumcised them. So he circumcised all of those. And he was circumcised at 99 years old and Ishmael was 13 years old. So you see the, the major difference. But remember, Abram was off the remnants of Shem and Noah. So although the flood and the Most High had lessened it to 120 years of life, Abram was 99, so he was still very strong. He was like what we would consider today, maybe in his late 60s, because most men now live to about 80 or something like that. So let's say if that's the case, that's what Abraham was. So it, it looks old here, but according to that time period, non-GMO, the earth was in a different state, didn't have as much toxins. Men and women were living at a longer time. So that's the, the way we have to read the scriptures outside of just a Western point of view. But we have to try to read it holistically from these different metrics to really understand what was happening at that particular time. So now we move to chapter 18. And in chapter 18, they were in the plains of Mamre which we saw the location and, and I'm very convinced that it's in South Africa in the plains of Mamre, which is in Cape Town area. And I've been there. He sat at the tent door at the heat of the day. So sitting outside the tent was a major thing. That was a, the way of being, you know, it's like sitting out on the porch and he looked up and behold, he saw three men that stood there and he ran to meet them. This is Abram and bowed himself toward him. Why did he bow? Because he had discernment. He was walking in covenant. So when anything angelic, anything of the spirit realm was beginning to trigger or transfer, he was aware of what was happening and would maneuver immediately because he knew the Most High's presence. Most High would come in the cool of the day with Adam. So even through all of the different transitions and that human beings were separating themselves further and further away from their original intent, their connection to the Father, they still, he reestablished a covenant through the circumcisions, through the obedience with Abram that he could discern the spirit space. Remember the angel came and visited Hagar. Now the angels are coming to visit Abram and he's able to discern. He's able to pick it up. And he says, I pray thee, if I found favor in your sight, don't pass, stay here, chill with me. And they did. And he told once again, remember the most high already came to Abram and told him that he's going to have a son. Now the most high sends the same message to Abram through his angels. So many times the most high will come back to us. He'll tell us something and then we hear it and we forget about it or we it's hard for us to fully embrace it or for whatever reason or another, we lose sight of it. And the most high is so gracious because his plan is greater than your emotion. His plan is greater than your thoughts, your ideas. His plan is to establish his glory in the earth realm. So he's going to do it in and through us. In Genesis 18 verse 4, Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. So remember in Mamre, there was a lot of timber trees. There was a lot of those trees. And I saw one of those trees in that area too. So that was another uh, sign to me that I was in the proper location of a forefather of an ancestor. In verse five, and I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts after that you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. So the angels were like, go ahead, go ahead, grab your stuff. That's fine. We'll sit here and, and sup with you. We will eat with you. And that's the beauty when you get to commune with the divine and you learn, you get to connect. And remember, Abram has spent so much time with Noah. He has spent so much time with Shem. So he understood that realm. 
very well and knew how to interact with the most high in those spaces. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 7, and Abram ran to the herd, took a tender, good calf. Let's cook this one and let's make it happen so I can feed these angels who, who can operate as men. So now you see in Genesis chapter 6, when the angels, the fallen ones, came and slept with the daughters of men and did the crossbreeding of the Nephilim and was mixing spirit and and physical outside of the most highest plan, which he had already done with human beings when he breathed the breath of life. All that breath, that's the breath of the most high that's being made in his image. So everything that I speak becomes physically available. As I form those things, especially when it's in covenant in accordance with the way of the most high, oh, you can do anything. That's why most do it towards darkness and Satan gives them the power as he's done with our savior, our king, in the wilderness, he sat and he gave him a glance, a visual, and said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world in a flash. He gave, he showed him everything and said, if you bow, if you do this covenant, if you relinquish. And what did our Savior do? Always hit him with the contract, the covenant. Man shall not live by bread alone. Thou shalt worship no other God. He knew and he didn't allow the deception to seep in because remember, deception lives with truth in it. That's why we see all the time. Did God say, did he say, give his angels charge over you? That's the truth. But the way Satan was trying to position it to the Savior, he knew how to operate as the second Adam, the one who was coming to reconcile it back to the father. But with Eve, she couldn't get it. And to this day, we can't get it. We keep falling for these, these psyops, these deceptions that come in and throw us off and cause us to go against the ways of the Most High. So he went in. In verse 8, so he took butter and milk and the calf, which he had prepared, and set it before them. And he stood with them under the tree as they ate. And uh, he said, where's Sarah, your wife? And in verse 10, and he said, the angel, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life, according to man's time. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent door and Sarah were old and well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing and she laughed again. Didn't Abraham just laugh in the previous time? At that time, it doesn't share with us that Sarah had heard that news, but Abram heard it. But now the Most High is coming back again to share it. And he knew that Sarah would hear it this time. So he wanted to get them both in alignment here. Because if Sarah would have heard it the first time when the Most High appeared to them during the circumcision, she wouldn't be laughing in a doubt because Abraham already experienced that. But Abraham's hearing it again. And he's like, oh, wow, the most high serious about this. And Sarah now is hearing it. And she laughs and he says, um, after I've grown old, shall I have pleasure and bring my Lord, um, him being old also? And the most high said unto Abraham, why does Sarah laugh? Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is there anything too hard for the most high? So once again, at the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life and Sarah will have a son. But Sarah did not. No, I didn't laugh, but you did laugh. <laughs> so then in verse 16, now we're moving into another confrontation with Sodom and Gomorrah. The first one, Abram went through, saved Lot and helped Sodom and Gomorrah as they were being confronted in, uh, in a war with Nimrod and Nimrod was a mighty warrior, as the scripture says. So Nimrod had a whole nother level of energy with him. He uh, possibly was mixed with some of the fallen in one way or another because he stole the garments that his father had given him, the garments from the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. And he carried those garments and, and perfected those sciences and was able to tap in and go contrary to the most high learned from the fallen, was picking up their ways. So a lot of these things were built up and Abram was able to defeat him and defeat them and help Sodom and Gomorrah. And now Sodom and Gomorrah continued to do those things that were contrary to the ways of the Most High. And in most cases, when you just read in Genesis, it's only showing from a, a sexual space. But there's more to it that Jasher brings in Jasher chapter 19 that I wanted to point out that I thought was really significant as the, as the portion of the reasons why the Most High destroyed. It was many metrics. It wasn't just one thing. But it is more about the, the lifestyle and the ways of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah that really cause a fullness of destruction. 
So in chapter uh, 18, verse 16, it says, Then the men, meaning the angels, arose and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them as they went on their way. And the Most High said, Shall I hide anything from Abraham, what I am about to do? Why? Because of the covenant. Abraham was his friend, and now he was in covenant with him. He was walking. He had been circumcised. He was doing those things that were pleasing to the Most High. So the Most High said, now I'm going to give you everything because now you're in covenant with me. And that's the power when we get in covenant with the Most High. He said, I'll give you insight. He said in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and I will show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. See, the Most High wants to share with us what he's going to do because of the covenant. That's why it's so important to walk in the covenant because the covenant gives you access to information, insight that you don't normally have. What did he tell the disciples? What did our king tell the disciples? I shall give you the keys of the kingdom that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. The reason why we haven't been able to move is because we haven't been walking according to covenant, according to the bloodline covenant that the Most High made with our forefathers, with our ancestors. And once we get back into those alignments, as we get back to Eden, then we can rage war in the spirit space and deal with it. And you see remnants of it, very low vibration of it in um, some of the things that we've seen in the civil rights movement. How was uh, a pastor, Martin Luther, which is very important to understand that Martin Luther was named after another priest who started the Reformation, Martin Luther, in Germany, where we get the Protestant protest, the Protestant movement from when he broke away from the Catholic Church and then became a Protestant, from which the Lutherans, Luther, Martin Luther, the Methodists, the Baptists, and then you just see this different birthing. As I said earlier, the universal church, Catholic, started, had their doctrines and ways of being, and then it broke down to the Protestants, then the Protestants broke down to the evangelicals, so forth and so on. Those, that's the, the delineation. Everything happens from something previous, and you, if you understand where it came from, then you can have the power to tap into the root of, or the covenant, the agreement that has been set there. That's for either good or bad. So now you see here, it says, should I hide anything from Abraham? And then in verse 18, he says, Abram shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Abraham's seed will be a blessing to all the nations. Now, if they walk in covenant, they will be a blessing with autonomy and with purpose and responsibility. If not, they will bless or be a blessing for everybody but they will be taking care of everybody. They will be at the lower state, but they still will have that impact. They will still be able to lead the cultural space because they are the kings and the queens that the Most High has placed according to blood covenant. So you see here for um, he will be great and blessed in him for I have known him. I have known him covenant in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they will keep my way do the righteousness and justice. See, righteousness and justice was important because that's what was going to keep us. Right standing, do what's in alignment with nature, with what's in your heart, towards your fellow human being, towards your own bloodline, and being just like the Most High is having the characteristics of the Father. That the Most High may bring to Abram what he has spoken to him. And the Most High said, but the outcry that is against Sodom and Gomorrah is great. And because of their sin... Is very grave. I will go down. See, this is the Most High speaking through the angels. He would always talk through angels, as as the Book of Jubilee says, the angel of the presence. So the Most High's presence dwells through His messengers. It says the angels are ministering spirits who come and do the biddings of the Most High. So when the Most High, seated in His high heavenly hill, comes down and begins to discuss or chat with any of humanity, He hears about it almost. It's almost like, oh, so what he said to Job, you remember when Job, when Satan was coming uh, with the with the sons, with the angels after he had been kicked out and came before the presence of the Most High said, Satan, where have you been? Uh, I've been trotting through the earth to and fro. Oh, okay. Have you considered my servant Job? You see that conversation, but the Most High wasn't paying attention to the devil per se, like we think, like there's this battle going on where it's good and evil and nah, the, the evil shows up in the physical frameworks and in our perception and the environment because of the yielded ones, the ones who yield to darkness. So then it shows up at a greater rate. 
but it doesn't mean that it's in control. It's just like daylight saving time. We can change the time all we want, but the sun is still setting the time. And the sun is not even asking you like, well, what made you think that you could change the time? It doesn't even, it's not even in its purview. It just rises and controls the whole environment and then sets. And we try to do all our things. That's Satan trying to do the, the daylight saving time. I'm going to change the time here. I'm going to do this here. And, I'm, and then to us, we're like, oh, no, six o'clock here and it's seven o'clock there and it's 12 here. That's all man made. And it has its effect within a certain context. But in the overall scheme of things, who's in control? The most high is in control. So he's seeing this outcry and he says, I'm going to go down and destroy them. Now, Abram begins to have the power in the spirit. Remember, whatever you bind on earth, we be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, is loose in heaven. He said, I will go down. And then once Abraham understood that the Most High was coming to destroy, he knew that the seed, his seed was there. So by covenant, he could speak to it. And the Most High would listen because he made covenant with him. That was his friend. He made covenant. Now he can begin to alter physical spaces, actual regions and people based on covenant in that the bloodline of Shem, the bloodline of his own, his family was in, in harm's way. And although they had pitched their tent towards Sodom and was living in that environment, it was being infected and affected. It says Lot being amongst them vexed his righteous spirit by the things that he saw and what he heard. So this is beyond, as I said earlier, what people have just tried to coin it into one little compartment or metric, but that it was a wide range of things of what was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah that caused the destruction of that city. So you see here in chapter um, 19 and of, of Jasher, where it talks about a couple of things that they were doing in the city that caused them to be so wicked. And one of them that you see here in chapter four or verse four, it says, and as he laid down, three men would stand at his head and three at his feet and measured him by length of the bed. And if the man was less than it, six men would stretch him until he cried out and could not answer. So they would force him to fit within their context. Now, we can argue whether this particular storyline is, if it's literal, if it's allegorical, if it's imagery, if it's a, a riddle, if it's, it can be a bunch of those things and that's okay. But the main focus point is that they were doing things that were wicked. Then they, in verse eight, it says, when a poor man came into their city, they would give him silver and gold and cause a proclamation. So first of all, he's poor and they give him silver and gold. So they gave him the illusion or the feeling that he could be, that he could fit in, that he would have resources, that he would have money. But they would make a proclamation in the whole city not to give him a morsel of bread to eat. And if the stranger would remain there some days and die from hunger, remember he wasn't getting no food. He had money, but he ain't no food. He wasn't getting the real bread so it's interesting how we use those terms like money and bread and some of those things so a lot of that was passed down these these ways of being was passed down to govern some of the way the nations operate to this day because this sounds like some of the nations um in the west <laughs> where you have money but you really ain't eating and if the stranger would remain there some days and die from hunger not having been able to obtain a morsel of bread then at his death, all the people of the city would come and take the silver and the gold which they had given to him. And in verse 9, and those that could recognize the silver or gold which they had given took it back. And at his death, they would strip him of his garments and they would fight about them and prevail over him and took his stuff. So they were setting people up. But the point in me bringing that up is to say that Sodom was and Gomorrah were doing so much wickedness. So when you come to 18, when the Most High and Abram is having this conversation, Abram is going through this breakdown of if there's just a few people in the land. He started with 50. All the way down, he kept interceding. was like, well, come on. I mean, please forgive me for keep parking on this. But what if there was less than 50? And he went to 45. He says, I won't destroy the city. I won't destroy it if there's any righteous. And he went all the way down to just a few. In chapter 18, verse 32, then Abram said, let not the most high be angry. And I'll speak once more. Suppose there are 10 that were found in the city. The most high said through the angels, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. So the most high went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abram and Abram returned to his place. So he, he was trying to intercede. 
And then he gets to Sodom and Gomorrah and it says, now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. Once again, just like Abram. So he's still doing the practices. He was still walking according to covenant, although he was in a very peculiar and a devastated space of his soul being vexed by being amongst people that were not within his covenant, not amongst his people, not amongst his way of being, but he was still walking upright before the most high and was on the outskirts was on the outskirts and lot rose and he was able to discern the angels he was able to discern the ways of the most high so you can see he still was walking according to covenant enough that he could see and oh how many times have we been in detrimental states of brokenness but we still could discern the ways of the most high and that the most high was being gracious because of the covenant and because of the sea line and because of someone praying you know, most of us would say, oh, if it wasn't for my grandma praying for me, I wouldn't have made it. And that has the truth because Abram was interceding for Lot, that Lot would at least have the discernment to, to see the angels were coming and that he could find his uh, way that he wouldn't be a part of the destruction, but he would be able to come out from amongst them. So now we, we talk through this and you begin to see that it says now in verse four, the men of the city and the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people there, and surrounded the house and they were calling for the angels to come out. We want to lay with them carnally. Now, a lot of that has not only the, the, the perversion of what they were doing, but a lot of that was tied to wanting to receive that God nature, doing what the Nephilim, they wanted to kick back in and rebel against the Most High through these acts. And Lot, who was vexed in his soul and his mind said, no, don't take the angels whom could fight for themselves. But he said, my innocence, take my children, take my daughters, and you could do with them whatever you want. So you could see the state of Lot's mind was gone because of the things he was hearing, the things that he saw, how the people of Sodom and Gomorrah operated. He began to lose his own sense of judgment. And he was talking from a heterosexual standpoint. That was from a homosexual standpoint, but this was from a heterosexual standpoint. And both of them were deviant. Both of them were um, contrary. Both of them were perverse. And you see later on that the angels battled with those people and began to bring the judgments. And Lot was commanded to leave and to get out of the city. And, and we know the famous story that as he was trying to get out, his wife was still stuck. She still wanted to be a part of that life. As you see, that same Eve syndrome, still wanting to be a part of that life, still allowing the vanities to step in. You see the same thing with Sarah. Sarah stepped in, tried to help. So there's this portion of the, the female anatomy that Satan loves to tap into, which is the emotion. He taps into male emotion as well, but not like he does with the female because the female is so much more connected to the earth, whether it be the cycles that they have, things that connects them to the sensual portions of this earth to the van the vanity that the the, the the fallen can give in certain contexts and we're seeing that this happened to lot's wife and she she became a pillar of salt in verse 26 chapter 19 verse 26 but lot's wife looked back and behind him and she became a pillar of salt and abraham went early in the morning to look at the place and saw that the planes had been out and it was smoked out it was burnt so you're seeing that lot lost his way but he was able to get out the most high allowed him to escape to move and he went up to zor to the mountains and what did his daughters thought his daughters thought that they had no more seed to preserve them they thought it had been wiped out like before like like with noah so it shows that they didn't really know the most high either they thought that everyone had been wiped out. So, hey, we got to preserve seed. Let's get our dad drunk. What is that? That's a Noah thing. They knew that we can get him drunk. So they're just regurgitating, playing out what their ancestors had done, but in a more perverse way because of the environments that they were in. So we have that falling away and incest happened. This was heterosexual sex and it was still perversion. So whether it's in heterosexual sex or homosexual sex, if it's outside of the covenant of the Most High, then it's perversion and it leads to death. So that's the lesson that we learn here in Genesis 19. As we come to the end of our podcast, we'll be moving into chapter 20, where it says, and Abraham journeyed from there to the south. Here he goes again. Keep going back to south. 
He moves around. He keeps staying in the continent. Keep going south, 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 south. 13, he went south. 20, he's going south. And Abram said to Sarah, his wife, say you are my sister to Abimelech, king of Gerar. So once again, Abram being fearful, he lies. He just saw all the miracles. He just interceded. He knew what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah and what happened. He still lied because of fear, because of understanding these people. So the Most High still is gracious to his, his servants when they fall into error, when they fall into weakness because they're human, because of their perception going by their, their sight. That's why I said we walk uh, not according to the flesh, but we walk according to the spirit of the covenant. So we will pick it up in Genesis chapter 20. See you next time.